looking at everything wrongly, says Paul. I'm in prison. I fully expect I'm going to die. His head's going to get cut off. And he says in the middle of this, but I know this will turn out for my deliverance. You can't carry about in your body the death of your Savior to showcase it if life is just about beating death. Boy, it sure seems as though the church is contradictory these days, doesn't it? We have an over-realized sense of eschatology. We want heaven on earth and we want it now. And we do our best to maintain our life rather than lose it for Christ. And that's what the Apostle Paul is laying out in front of us here in Philippians chapter 1. Welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Chris Gordon in Philippians 1, verses 12 through 29. Let's catch up with Pastor Chris now for today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. This is the word of the Lord. Let's give our attention to it. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all shamed. But that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw have. And now here that I still have. There will end the reading of God's word. Today we are looking at one of the most helpful uh, sections in the scriptures uh, to help us understand the way that the Christian is to look at life. That's one of the great themes that we're working through here in Philippians is, is how we are to evaluate life and how we are to look at life and think about life and look at it in a, in a particularly redeemed way. With redeemed eyes. We have a way of looking at things that the world does not have. And that's very special. And the Lord wants us to enjoy that in this life. Paul is um, going after a mindset in this particular section in chapter 1. An attitude. An intellectual way, obviously, as people um, evaluate things. And how that affects their emotions. And how they, they look at life. And what kind of people they become as they look at life. And the outlook on life. And how they're, they're living the Christian life. Um, I said last time, you know, we, we can get rather grumpy in this life. And there can be a lot of reasons for that. But it doesn't change this great truth 
of how the Lord wants us to look at things and evaluate things and think through things. Um, Sometimes I think we as Christians think we can just never figure out really what God is doing. And we sort of hang on that. They like the mystery of that, but just sort of give up that really we just don't know what he's doing and and we don't know what he's going to do. And so we just live a little bit confused about never quite knowing what bad thing might come. And hey, God has a purpose in it, we say. And then we still kind of remain confused about him not really knowing his intentions. That's really a wrong way to look at scripture. Paul does not have that perspective. Paul does not have that perspective. You may not know specific reasons why things happen the way that they do. But Paul does tell us the big picture and the overarching picture of why God is doing what he's doing. And the big thing that he said last time, the one thing that he said in light of all of his own afflictions, his own hardships was, all these things are serving to the furtherance of the gospel. That's a really big, big statement that he's working with. He looked at life that in whatever way God was working in the lives of his people, it had a grand overarching purpose of furthering the gospel. That's how he looked at things. And he explained that to us last time. He says, why do you think I'm in prison? And you know, I've even, if you say that's just a little bit idealistic, actually, I have learned to look at that from punk pastors who criticize me all the time and, and, and say all kinds of terrible things against me. But you know what? How I've learned to look at all the opposition and people who attack me and people who offend me in the ministry? I'm just thankful that they're preaching Jesus because it's about the furtherance of the gospel. So he said. So that's what I want to work with today to consider this marvelous passage with a similar outline that I had last time. If you take notes, we're really going to focus a long time. So I'm going to have a big, long first point, but don't get nervous. The second's shorter and the third's really short, okay? So perspective of Paul in this, the the perspective that God wants us to have is what I'm going to spend a moment on. The pursuit that God calls us to share in and then the present that he's given you all. Boys and girls, like a present. We're going to look at that. Let's begin with this perspective that God wants us to have. Outside of um, Jesus himself, we could go through the scriptures and say there are a lot of people who suffered. Old Testament has Job as sort of the, the great grand example of suffering. The New Testament really does have Paul. Uh, really, there weren't many more, any other apostle that suffered the way that Paul describes his own sufferings in the scripture. And, and, and you really see Paul get personal with this in many ways. Philippians 1 is very personal from Paul. Paul is really trying to help them with his own life. The scriptures do do that. And one of the reasons that, um, that Paul explains elsewhere is why the apostles had to suffer so much when he said this, For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death, because we become a spectacle to the world, to angels, and to men. Can you imagine if God had put the apostles as a bunch of Joel Osteens running around? Saying life is good, wearing the t-shirt, flying in jets, 
Can you imagine that? We wouldn't connect with that. God put them through a lot of suffering in life. God put them through a lot of hardship in life. He gave them a special display that most Christians would never have to face afterward, but at least when they suffered, they could identify with this. The heroes of the faith. The apostles were given a lot of suffering for you. So that you would look at them and say, we're not alone in this, we have a partnership in this. And they suffered terribly. They suffered in awful ways for the gospel. In difficulties and in struggles, this is what had happened to them. And Paul was encouraging them. So I don't want you to think in your difficulties that we're doing something different. We have this grand gospel fellowship. We have this partnership. You have uh, an apostolic succession of ministry, not popes. (laughs) A ministry that you share in that's given to you. And what had happened with the church, as we've been studying, was their difficulties, their struggles, their sufferings in the present evil age threw them all off mission. They were being persecuted, remember? And they were internally unraveling as a church. All their priorities were lost. We've been looking at this. You know, some of you have been through a lot of conflict in life and a lot of suffering. In the valley of the shadow of death, you faced Uh, A lot of death. Some of you have faced it to way more degrees than others. Some of you have had a rather good go of things. Paul's helping us through this whole perspective here to think about this. It's easy at these moments to lose heart. It's easy at these moments to lose a grip, to forget purpose, hope, and to forget the goal of your life. Haven't I been emphasizing that? That's why I gave the marriage illustration a few weeks ago with marriage. I believe right now the church in in North America is going to face even bigger tests to come. Handwriting's on the wall with challenges of living in a godless age. And what will we do? Will we become angry warriors? Will we become fighters in the wrong way? How quickly could something derail the church today? How quickly could we get caught up in the disputes of this age and rip us apart? This is where Paul's helping them. This is what he wants them to think about. In the midst of the struggle, how are you looking at things? And what is your mindset in the church and your purpose and mission and goal and unity all together as one? Last time he said, Look at me, I'm in prison. And I've got pastors attacking me everywhere. And he says, you know what happened in the midst of this? God started saving the prison guards. <laughs> Paul, has, Paul had a remarkable prison ministry. Everywhere he went, prison guards were getting saved. Remember Philippians? Uh, the Philippian jailer? That happened in Rome, too. <laughs> this is really an interesting connection. Paul went... And Paul suffered for righteousness, ended up in prison. He took beatings and lashes and jailings and sufferings and everything under the sun. And then he says, you're not going to believe this, but God's raising up a church in the prison here through my ministry, and I'm unhindered to preach. What a perspective. 
What a perspective. And I'm just happy when Jesus is preached when these guys attack me. And these are important things to think about. Imagine how a church could be ripped up today. I hear the reports. I have to say, I'm so thankful for the Escondido URC and how you have handled this. I'm surprised we don't have, as I've heard all over about the churches divided on politics right now, I'm surprised we don't have first mask reform church and second anti-mask reform church. This is what's happening. Everyone's dividing up. How do we look at life? How do we look at affliction? How do we look at them? Are they appointed or do they just come willy-nilly? Now it's as if Paul says, let me take you then to your ultimate fear. Let's go there. I know what your ultimate fear is. I know what's driving you. That's why you're afraid of all the opposition in the culture. You're afraid of death. That's the issue. You're all afraid of death. And I'm going to help you through that. That's the extreme greatest fear that people have in life. Francis Bacon once said, men fear death as children fear the dark. People are always living to beat death. People are always living to overcome death. That's what's happened right now. We live in a world of people who are scared to death of death. And we're going to overcome it. And we're going to beat it on our terms. We can't even get a flu anymore. That's where we are. I know it's tough. Look at how we've enjoyed everything good under the sun in our times. The best of medicines. The best of advancements. The best way of life that could be given to people under the sun. You've got to enjoy in a, in a world that's full of sin and misery and suffering and hardship. Previous generations did not live like we do. It's tough. We live really well. We live really well. What we begin to think is, life is just about forestalling and trying to prevent death for as long as we can so that we will enjoy this. That's our mindset. That's what America has trained us to believe. That's what the culture has trained us to live for. Now, this is where we are today. The Bible comes along and says that's a really foolish way to invest the Christian life. That's a way of living in a lot of bondage. You're not looking at life at all the way you should be looking at life. See, if this is the investment of life just to overcome your greatest fear, that is the most ineffective perspective for a Christian whose purpose is to, this is Paul's perspective, Show forth the life of Jesus in us. Remember what Paul said. We always carry about in our body the death of Jesus. (laughs) What? So that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Paul had a good theology of the body. You can't carry about in your body the death of your Savior to showcase it if life is just about beating death. You see? This is where perspective comes in. You're looking at everything wrongly. 
says Paul. I'm in prison. I fully expect I'm going to die. His head's going to get cut off. And he says in the middle of this, but I know this will turn out for my deliverance. (laughs) How do you live that way? (laughs) Really, how do you live that way? That in nothing, hear, hear me, in nothing that happens to me will I be ashamed. Nothing. How do you have that confidence? How do you get there? That with all boldness, so as now as always, Christ, in whatever he's put me through, will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. See, Paul's got to the ultimate fear. He gives a personal reflection on life and death. How did he think about life and how did he think about death? And that's where we we see in verse 21, where he makes this powerful statement, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And the statement, of course, is vitally connected to everything he said in something like Galatians 2. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is the perspective that he's starting to push and having them think about. It's a helpful perspective for them to know how to look at things. Christianity has a good message that when you believe the gospel, you're purchased. You know, we say this right out of the Heidelberg. I'm no longer my own. We sung about that in the, in the, in the song that you're purchased and that you're owned and that you now have a great purpose and that your entire life becomes and is intended to look like somebody else's and is owned by somebody else who is Jesus. This is what Paul said, that what our purpose is, whether I live or die, Christ will be magnified in my body. That's the purpose, that's the goal, whether by life or by death. Then he says something remarkable. If I'm to live on in the flesh, if I'm to live on, you'll notice there um, in verse 22, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which shall I choose? I can't tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that's far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Christ, uh, Paul is here picturing for us something about how magnificent the Christian life really is. Christ is really everything. It really is all about Jesus. And I am to live knowing that he has died for me, that he has released me from all my sins, that there is no more judgment for me, there is no more uh, condemnation, and that right now he sits on a throne, Lord over all, Lord supreme, reigning over all, and that in me now, his life is being shown. So, if I've got life here, if he gives me life here, if he has a purpose here for me, it is for him, for his glory, for his advancement. And we'll come back, not just for him, we'll see in a minute. For his kingdom to become the fragrance of him 
to the world. And whatever he chooses for me, and whatever he chooses for my loved one, will always be good and right to serve that appointed end. It has the goal, listen to what Paul says, in life and in death, of ultimately gaining Jesus in full. So he's looking at his circumstance. Stay with me, and you'll see this come together. He's looking at his circumstance. He knows he's going to die probably. He knows that, really, it doesn't look good for him being freed out of prison, out of Roman chains. It's completely in God's hands. He lives that way. But here's how his resolve is in prison. Here's what he's come to. He speaks somewhat hypothetically, doesn't he? If I had a choice to live or die in my current situation, I want you to know that would be a real struggle for me. Let this set in. Verse 23. I am hard-pressed between the two. I am hard-pressed on both sides. My mind is pressed from each reality. My coming death, listen to this, will be the ultimate gain of everything I've ever lived for and believed. I get everything in full of what I have come to receive in this life. I have the full realization in death of everything I've already believed and known in the gospel. The full expression of what the treasure is of my life. The ultimate gaining of what we are being trained to enjoy already. It's tough. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying this is bliss. I know it's hard sometimes to get up and come to church. I know it's hard to be a Christian. I'm not saying any of that. But you know what your greatest desire is, even if you don't always achieve that. It's the Lord. I've so learned that my coming death will be the ultimate gain of everything that I've already believed and been living for. The full realization of it. But if I had a choice, Christian doesn't have a choice. Your death is appointed. But if I did, here's the heart of the book. Here's the heart of the message today. It's not really even a dilemma. It would be far better to go to be with Jesus right now for all of us. You know that? Be a lot better. Let's be done with this, right? Be a lot better than to see any more death and suffering. Be a lot better than to see all this pain be a lot better than to see the things I see every day. Well, we are out of time today. We'll close today's program out. But look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies here in God's Word with Pastor Chris Gordon here on Abounding Grace. Questions, comments about the program, we always are delighted when you take a moment and reach out to us. You can do so by email 
questions at agradio.org. Again, questions at agradio.org. Now, that may be the address, but you are more than welcome to send along suggestions, comments, praise reports, prayer requests, not just questions alone. Again, you can reach us at questions at agradio.org. You can learn more about us at agradio.org. Also, listen to past radio programs. Again, that's agradio.org. Or call us, 888-504-8805. Again, that's 888-504-8805. We are also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Visit our website for those links to the platforms that you like to follow. Again, agradio.org. And then, as always, we are excited when our listening audience comes alongside of us financially, prayerfully, to help support the radio program. This is a listener-supported broadcast, and we are able to reach most of the United States as well as North Africa through your faithful partnership with us financially and prayerfully. We look forward to hearing from you and trust the Lord to direct you along those lines. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Until next time, God bless. Abounding Grace is brought to you on this radio station by Abounding Grace Radio Ministries. Hi, this is Chris Gordon, pastor of the Escondido United Reformed Church. I'd like to invite you to our Sunday worship services at 9.30 a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. on Sunday. We have two worship services, 9.30 a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. We preach Christ and Him crucified with the goal that you would live in the joy of this comfort in the knowledge of the forgiveness of all of your sins. 1864 North Broadway is the address here in Escondido. We'd love to see you this Sunday.